thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Well, hey, grab your bulletin. Uh, on the back of your bulletin is the outline, and um, we are in a series uh, called the Joshua Code, and today we're looking at a passage of scripture in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and we know it as the fruits of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to dive into this in just a little bit, but I want to make sure you got your word with you and make sure you got that bulletin uh, so you can take the notes and everything. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Let's start there because I want to set the table with the passage. Um, Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 22. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in its sinful nature with the passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you're going to keep in step, you're going to do what? Daily be in the Spirit. Okay? These are the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to go over to John's Gospel. Look at John 15.4. You have the fruit of the Spirit in you if today you are a born-again child of the King. If you know for sure that there's been a time in your life that you've gotten saved, that you've given your life to Christ, then what happened was you died the old self and you became new, okay? Not a changed life. We talked about last week an exchange life. So he lives in you new through the Holy Spirit of God. So in you, you have the Spirit of God, which produces the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to look at John chapter 15. Let's go to verse 4. John 15, 4, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you're not connected to him, you will not bear fruit. I mean, you can't possibly just go to try to make yourself produce fruit. It ain't going to happen. Now, it may produce something else if you do that, but it will not be fruit. And everybody around you will say, dude, that's not the aroma of fruit, okay? So you cannot try hard to make fruit. Now, you say, that's just silly. But I'm going to tell you right now, the church is full of people who are trying to be fruit-bearing Christians. And, dude, if you're trying, it ain't gonna, you're not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It is just going to be rotten fruit on the vine. And rotten fruit eventually stinks. If you look at that other passage, we won't go there necessarily, but Matthew 7, 20 says this, Thus, by their fruit, we will recognize them. By their fruit. It doesn't say by their spouse's fruit. It doesn't say by their family's fruit. It says by their fruit. We will recognize them, okay? The only way to produce fruit in your life 
is for you to yield and abide to him. That's it. If you're not abiding in Christ and yielding to his lordship or his direction, you're not going to produce fruit in your life. You're not. Okay? You're not. That slides, show those slides real quick. The fruit represents what we are rather than what we do. We've worn that out in this series. If you get nothing else, you'll understand that. The fruit represents what? Who you are, what you are, not what you do. You don't produce fruit by doing, okay? You produce fruit by being connected to the vine, and it produces the fruit because of the, because what's running through the vine and the branches, okay? It's a conduit of his spirit that produces that, okay? Next slide, please. We are reintroduced to the principle of being before doing, okay? What we do is determined by who or whose we really are. That's why I said you can't try to produce fruit because if it's not in you, it's not going to come out of you. It's just not. Matthew's gospel says that, 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 that our, tongue, our tongue speak of what? What's in us. If it's in you, it comes out of you. So if language comes out of you, that you say, whoo, that's a slip. I don't usually talk like that. You slip on bananas and ice, but you don't slip there. If that's not in you, it won't come out of you, okay? It just won't, all right? Things come out of my computer sometimes, and I'm not sure how it got there. Well, it got there because goofball made it come out of there. That's how it works. Next one. The fruit described in Galatians is a trade or a triad. Three clusters with three fruits each. Now, here, let me help you out with something. I run into people all the time, and they say, I understand the fruits of the Spirit. I like the fruits of the Spirit. I said, time out. First of all, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I thought it was the fruits of the Spirit because I like love. I picked that one. And joy. Woo, give me some of that. And self, No, no self-control. I don't know self-control. Patience. No, I don't want any patience. No. Gentleness. I can do gentleness. Kindness. I'm good with kindness. It's not a multiple-choice buffet. You don't go, while I'm saved, look at the fruits of the Spirit and go, hmm, I picked that one, I picked that one, I picked that. That's my fruit right there. No. Dude, you got three different clusters with three fruits on each one. And we're going to break that down in just a little bit. So here's the deal. If you're a born-again child of the King and you're saved today, then you have the Holy Spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit of God produces the fruit of the Spirit, meaning All nine you can produce or be, okay? It's not a multiple choice based on what you interpret your personality to be. Dude, I am not a patient person. I just know that, okay? So don't look for me to be patient. I'm not looking for you to be your personality. I'm looking for you to be like Christ. So because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can be patient. Now, somebody else may be a lot more patient, but you can be patient because you can sit down and abide in the Word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to help you with patience, and I promise you, you'll walk out more patient than you walked in. But if you like, I can't be it anyway, so what's the point? I'm not going to try. Trust me. We will recognize you by your fruit, okay? You will be a hot-headed, tempered dude because you're not even trying in this area, 
Okay, now let's look at the three clusters. On your outline, the continents are continents that are obvious. Now, let me say something to you. There, there are times that people tell me they're saved, and, and I'm like, dude, you need to tell your face you're saved. Because sometimes their face does not give off, I'm saved. I mean, it's like if you see them, the last thing you'll ever want to do is ask them about Jesus because they look like they're about ready to kick my tail, okay? They look mad. And I'm like, dude, you're a born-again child of the king. Even in your worst days, man, you're rich. Even in your worst day, you're rich. I'm telling you, you got something to praise the Lord about every single day, okay? Let's look at these because these are on the outside. These fruits right here, we can't hide these fruits, okay? First one, love. Now, the love there is the agape love, the love that God had for us in John 3.16, that he so loved the world, meaning if the Holy Spirit lives in you and you are a born-again child of the King, you can love like God. You say, man, I can only love those people that smell like me, eat like me, dress like me, and agree with me. That's not God's love. That's man's love. Man can love that way. Can you love people that disagree with you, that don't look like you, that really don't smell like you, that don't dress like you, that don't act like you, that don't come from where you come from? Can you love them unconditional? Nope, can't do it. Then you're not saved. I'm saved. Then you can love them. Well, it's hard. Duh. The cross was hard. You can love them. Okay, why? Because he put his love in you, and because his love is in you, and he loved them first because he died for them, that means you, through him, can love them. So don't say you can't love them. You can love them. Now, is it tough? You bet it's tough. But I'm going to tell you again, the cross was tough. If it's easy, if it was easy to love them, wouldn't need Jesus, would we? Wouldn't need him. Wouldn't need him. Y'all could just slap in. Y'all need this, all right? Y'all could have come at 1130, we have to feed it. You could have slept in until 10, been great, wouldn't it? Come up here and flip-flop, shorts, T-shirt, eat some fajitas. We don't need church because we don't need to be like Jesus. But Jesus said, if you're going to love them, you're going to need me to love them. Trust me. You watch, wait, watch, and see. You think you can love them without me. You cannot love them without me. You can't. I told you before, my grandfather did not like a certain type of person, okay? He did not care for Hispanics, okay? But a Hispanic missionary is the man who eventually, at 75 years old, led my grandfather to Christ two years before he died of cancer. I'm just telling you right now, you can love them with the love of Christ. Here's a man who hated them from birth. But that man continued to come across the street and sit with my grandfather and sit with my grandfather and sit with my grandfather. And one day my grandfather prayed to receive Christ with a man that he hated for 75 years leading him in the prayer to receive Christ. And at the funeral, his grandson, me, and this Hispanic man is standing at his at his, at his casket during his funeral. I'm going to tell you, that wouldn't have happened without Jesus. You can love, okay? You can love. Secondly is joy. 
joy. John's gospel, 1511, you can just write that if you want to and look at it later. John 1511 says that your joy may be complete in you because of who? Me. I have joy. You're, I'm in you, so you will have joy. You're not going to have joy without him. You can be happy without him, but you, ain't, you can't have joy. And let me tell you about joy. Ever been to Six Flags? Joy looks like that roller coaster. I mean, uh, happiness looks like that roller coaster. I get what I want. Everybody likes me. My clothes look good. I'm skinny. My checkbook looks wonderful. I am so happy. You're laid off. Your clothes are ugly. Your checkbook's terrible. And your kids don't mind. You happy now? No. But you can still have joy in both of them. Why? Because joy does not come from the world. It comes from Jesus, and he's the joy in us. We can sing that new song that we talked about last year. I mean, last year, last week. Y'all like, I didn't remember that. I didn't either, okay? You can talk about that joy, that song that we talked about last week. You can sing that song even in your hardest days because that song comes from the joy that springs up in you, the living well. That's the joy, okay? That's the joy. Do you have the joy? Last in this, in this series right here is peace. Peace. John 14, 27. Just write that address down. You can look at that a little bit later. It says that, that I, I give you peace not as the world gives you, but as I give you. If you're looking at this world to bring peace in your life, <laughs> you're walking backwards. You're not gonna, it's not going to happen. This world cannot give you peace. It cannot. Jesus, through his spirit, through the joy that's in you, gives you peace. And I'm going to tell you where peace is. Peace is right here. It's, it's worn on the outside of your face. I can see somebody and know if they're at peace. And I can see somebody and know if they're not at peace. And I'm going to say something to you, especially as adults. An adult that is not at peace, there's a very good chance that that adult is not saved. You say, well, I'm not. I'm not at peace right now, but, I'm, but, I'm not sa- but I am saved. Well, then there can be other stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, one of the major things that you see in adults, especially 30 and over, is if their life is not at peace, if they're not at peace, they're probably not saved because they're trying to control everything. They're trying to do it all. They're working and working and controlling and controlling and making it all happen and putting it all in order, and then one thing goes wrong, they just, I mean, they just can't handle it. And they can't rest because they can't be at peace because they're the God. They're God. They're having to work at everything. I'm going to tell you, it's miserable. Jesus said, this world doesn't have peace. I have peace. If you want peace, it comes from me. You can have love, joy, and peace. And it can show on the outside of your face if the Holy Spirit lives in you. It produces those fruits. Okay? Next one is this. A conduct that is orderly. A conduct that is orderly. You see, first is patience. Boy, we love it. Some Bibles will say long-suffering, okay? Long-suffering, okay? Kindness and goodness. Let me say a couple things about the word patience there or long-suffering. It's, it means, the Greek word there means that it takes a lot to get angry. It takes, you, you don't get worked up, okay? It's long-suffering or patient. Okay, that one of the things that you see in patience is 
listen to this. One of the biggest things about the word love, okay, one of the big triumphs or testimonies of the word love is not so much what love does, but what love does not do. If love can refrain from doing something. See, I could say this, and it's very appropriate for me to say this, and I could justify me saying it, but the Spirit of God in me says, you don't have to say it. It's not even necessary to say it. It will not expand my kingdom if it's said. Won't you use long-suffering and patience and not say it? See, the true test of a born-again child of the king sometimes is the love that's in them that keeps them from what? Reframing from something or doing something. See, that's why in the church there should be unity and love because the church should be full of people that have the Spirit of God living in them so they're patient and have long-suffering so they don't have to always say what's really true. Because everything that's, everything that's it's true doesn't have to be pointed out that's true, okay? Like, if I saw somebody and I knew I could say this to them because it's true, me not saying it could be more love than me saying it, okay? You say, well, sometimes you just got to speak the truth in love. Well, sometimes you got to speak the truth, but sometimes I've heard a lot of truth that did not say in love, okay? Some of it was just to make you look better and feel better about yourself while you tear that person down because you're jealous and envious of each other, as Scripture said you shouldn't be, all right? So patience is a big deal. Long-suffering is a big deal. If this is an area that you struggle, have you given that area to God? Maybe you say, God, I, I, I'm not good here. I'm not. Because myself, the more patient I am, can be traced back to my intimacy with the Father. When I'm not as intimate in the Word, then my patience is not as good. It just goes hand in hand. The more I'm in the Word, the more I'm in, in, in tune with the Lord and keeping in step with the Spirit, the more patient and long-suffering I have. The, when I'm not patient and long-suffering, you can trace it back and go, hmm, you, you probably are not in the Word this week, Jeff. Not like I should be. Boy, that shows. Thanks. All right? I mean, it's just obvious. Because what? We're Spirit-filled beings, and we must walk in the Spirit. A spirit-filled believer trying to walk in the flesh is weird looking. They don't work. They don't work. They just don't work. Patience, we'll get off of that because y'all just love that word. Kindness, we love kindness. Again, you can be a kind person when? When you're in tune with the Spirit of God, when, this, when you're in step with the Spirit of God. Gentleness is the other one. Kindness and gentleness almost go hand in hand. Kindness is very much a kind, compassionate person. You can be kind and compassionate, and you can be like Jesus, even though that's not your personality. Okay? Your personality would be, ah, suck it up, cowboy up, get over it, it's hot everywhere. I mean, wait, you're not sleeping on the floor, all right? I mean, you can still be kind, okay? Sometimes those words need to be given, but... Here's, you just need to be kind, all right? Gentle, we talked about gentleness. Gentleness is what? The word meek. We hear the word meek and you say, meek, that's a wet pretzel personality. You don't want to be a wet pretzel. You got to be tough, man. You got to man up. Let me tell you something. You can be so tough that God can't get to you. I know people that try to be too tough, all right? Meekness is what? Meekness, we use meekness as broken. If you had a horse, a stallion, that hadn't been ridden, and you break that horse, 
that horse had become what? Meek to its master. You can speak and then it turns. Before, it'd run you over the fence, all right? It's crazy. But that horse got broken. God can break us down and build us up to be what? Kind and gentle. Not because it's our personality. Not because my dad taught me this. Well, what if your dad didn't teach you that? But your heavenly father is that, so you, in return, as a king's kid, can be that. Does that make sense? You can be kind. You can be gentle if you're in the spirit. Last grouping is this. A character that is obedient. A character that is obedient. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? Faithfulness is, the, the text on that is 16.10, Luke 16.10. It says that you have been faithful with little, you will be entrusted with much. Okay? Each of us are judged by our faithfulness. One of the greatest things you can have said at your funeral one day is that that was a faithful person. Faithful person. Okay? Now, I try not to call a lot of names, but Bernice over here, Turned 90 a couple of weeks ago. Bernice is one of the faithfulest person I ever met. One of the most faithful people I've ever met in my life. I mean, that we know her by Granny. Granny here, I don't care if it's snowing. 90 years old, she's going to be here. All right? If she's not here, it's Donnie's fault. All right? So it's not that Bernice didn't want to be here. Donald just didn't bring her. All right? So faithfulness is a very strong and beautiful characteristic of the Lord. The Lord has been faithful to us. In return, we, as a fruit of the Spirit, can bear what? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness in many areas. Faithfulness in where you serve. Faithfulness in your giving. Faithfulness in your attendance. Faithfulness in every area of life. Faithfulness is a beautiful characteristic of the Spirit of God. Okay? Gentleness. I talked about that a while ago. I skipped over godly uh, goodness. But gentleness, we talked about a while ago, about the meekness, about the stallion being broken. All right? That is a character trait, okay? That is very much a character trait, okay? You can be so bullheaded, stubborn, hard-headed that God can't turn you, man, that God can't turn you. But here's the deal. I want you to understand something. There's been many, many of people that have been so bullheaded and stubborn and hard-headed to God and God's will for their life that God finally had to get them flat on the back so all they could do is look up. And you say, well, I, I, that was me. I remember that. I'm telling you, man, God will break you if he needs to, okay? Don't let him get to that extreme. He would rather every single day of your life you yield to his will instead of him having to break you like a wild horse. He wants you to become meek in him. Last thing is this. The character that is obedient is self-control. Self-control. People say, well, I don't have any self-control. Yeah, you do have self-control. If you're a born-again child of the king and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have self-control, okay? You have self-control. That's why it's so, so very, very, very important that you date believers, teenagers, okay? Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit living in them, which the Holy Spirit in them has what? A fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. I don't want my children dating a non-believer that is controlled by what? The world. I'd rather them be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, not every kid that's saved is still controlled by the Holy Spirit. They still have to yield. Amen, they still have to yield. Okay? 
But I'm telling you, I like my odds a little bit better if they're saved, okay? I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm just saying I like my odds a little bit better. Because here's what I can do as a parent. I can pray that the Holy Spirit of God that lives in both of them would make them so miserable on that date if they try to do anything that would embarrass God in his name. I mean miserable. I mean miserable. That when they go out to eat, that the food they eat, if their mindset is later on something else, they would get so sick that they would puke out both windows coming back down I-40. All right? If you're puking out both windows coming back from a date, you're not thinking about what you thought you were thinking about earlier. All right? Seriously. And he said, well, that's such a mean prayer to pray over your kids. Hello? Wouldn't you like your parents to pray that prayer over you? Because you know yourself better than I do. All right? So I'm going to tell you, I can sick the Holy Spirit of God on my kids if they're both yoked. But if they're unequally yoked, whoo, I don't have a chance, dude. I better, I better get in the trunk, hide in the back seat, all right? We got married and pulled out, and we had a kid in the back seat of our car. I had to go back to the church and say, dude, you should not be here, okay? You're not needed, okay? We had to drop him off. I'm telling you, that's how I feel. But if, but if my children leave, and I know they're both saved, dude, I have a lot of peace. Because they can still walk through Jesus and make bad choices, but I'm going to tell you, they've got to steamroll and run over Jesus and quench the spirit of God and just absolutely bullheaded do that. But I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit of God is so thick and that the Holy Spirit of God makes them, I mean, just makes them sick to the gut that they live like Christ, all right? I, I, I tell teenagers, I mean, I tell parents all the time, a prayer to pray for your teenager is that before they make a bad choice, they get caught. I'd rather they get caught than do something like that. You say, well, man, that's a give-up prayer. No, it's not. It's not a give-up prayer. It's not a give-up prayer. He's a sovereign God. He can orchestrate that if he wants to. But I want the Holy Spirit on my side. And if you're born-again child of the king, you got the Holy Spirit on your side, okay? So here's the deal. The fruit of the Spirit is what? The fruit of the Spirit. How many do I have in me? I have them all. I have them all. It's not a pick-and-choose deal. It's not a buffet. It's not, oh, I don't want no patience. I'm very good on patience. Okay, you can't do that. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you and you're a child of the king, then it's a spring of living water that wells up in you for eternal life. Meaning, if you stay connected to the trunk, your vine, if to the vine, you're going to produce what? Beautiful fruit. When your fruit's not good, it's because you're not connected to the vine. You're either out of fellowship because of sin or you're just flat-out lost, cut off. Okay, because you know if I, as well as I do, you cut that vine off, and I'm going to tell you, that, I mean, you cut that branch off, that, that vine, that branch is not going to bloom anymore. It's not. It doesn't have, it's lost its life source. So here, here you have the Holy Spirit in you. It will produce beautiful fruit. If what? If you stay in the vine. If you stay connected. Okay? You stay connected. And it will produce beautiful fruit. Here's a question today. Those three clusters. What's your fruit look like? What's your fruit look like? What's your fruit look like? See, we're, we're not to judge, but we can make observations of fruit. We can do that. I do it all the time in grocery store. That's a bad banana. That's a good banana. That's an ugly apple. That's a beautiful apple. All right? I don't like that orange. That's a good-looking orange. Now, I look at people. 
and I do the same thing, and you do too. I'm not judging them. I'm observing fruit. Okay? That's all I'm doing. So a lot of people, you shouldn't be judging. I'm not judging. I'm just talking about an apple that doesn't really necessarily look like an apple. All right? That's all I'm saying. There's something wrong with their fruit basket. It's just not good. Okay? I need Granny Smith apple, not bad apple. I need a good apple. All right? All we're doing is that. So Jesus looks at us, and he does the same thing. He is constantly observing our fruit. When he looks at your fruit, when God looks at Jeff's fruit, what does he say? Is he happy with my fruit? Because everything I need to produce really good fruit, he gave to me. So that means the responsibility of my fruit looking like it is, whose fault is that? My fault. There's nothing more he could do to make my fruit any better. I got all I can do. I got all the fruit. I got everything I need to make great fruit. But what am I doing? Am I connected? Am I abiding? Am I sitting? Am I yielding? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in me? Or am I trying to produce fruit on my own? Can't do it. Just can't do it. All right? I'm going to tell you, it'll produce something. It won't be fruit. Okay? So here's the deal. What kind of fruit are you producing? And how is it? How would he grade your fruit, not you grade your fruit? If you're married today, you want to take the plunge. One of the greatest observations of fruit comes from your spouse. I'm not sure you're ready to give that turf away and ask, but one day you might ask, how's my fruit, hon? I want to make sure that you're at her favorite restaurant or you're at his favorite restaurant. Okay, that helps, right? But that's a great observation. They, They live with you. We drop our guard there, you know. So, so today, before we break bread in a little bit, I want us to observe our fruit. And I want you to observe it this way. What does my fruit look like? Okay. And is God happy with my fruit? Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we enter a time of invitation, Father, we, uh, mm, we kind of got a little personal today. We kind of got in the kitchen just a little bit because we started talking about fruit. And we started talking about our lives. And God, I'm very thankful that because of you, we're able to produce the fruit that looks like you. So when people look at our lives, they don't see necessarily us. They see our fruit, which really, they see you. Because in you, Jesus, are all the fruit. And it's beautiful. And Father, we have the means as your kids to produce great-looking fruit. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We have everything we need to produce the fruit question is, are we spending time, are we yielding, are we connected to you so that you, through your spirit, can produce that fruit? Father, today, may we ask that question today, or may we simply wait for the answer. God, today, if there is somebody or somebody's here today that says, Jeff, I, my fruit's not good because I'm trying to produce the fruit and I need to stop and I just need to give up and let you Holy Spirit, let Jesus save me so the Holy Spirit can produce fruit. 
That's the greatest thing you've ever do. Because in ourselves, we can't produce fruit. Father, today, if that person or persons needs to come and get saved, I pray, Father, they, 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 they feel your nudge. They feel you knock at their heart today and speak your name. They come and surrender. God, maybe we as your kids need to come to the altar and just lay down some areas of fruit that aren't, isn't good. We've kind of taken over that area, and it's not good. Father, maybe we just need to come and pray. Maybe there's a family here that's been looking for a church home, and they feel God leading them here. They might come this morning as well. But God, this morning, the invitation is your invitation. Not worthy to give an invitation. You are. It's your inviting us in this invitation. May we take that invitation today. And God, I pray, as I do every week, that we would be obedient. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing. So may we bless ourselves today by being obedient. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, church. If you need to come for any reason, I'll be down front to receive you. The altar is open. Couples on the edges will pray over you if you need prayer. Uh, But you come if God leads you. church. I'm going to have uh, our deacons at this time to come forward and receive our offering. And uh, going to continue to brag on you as a church for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, another characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And so thank you for that. Uh, great, great four months for the church. 
And uh, as we start May and look ahead to summer, I know that that will continue. So I thank you so much for it. Asher, you pray for us, buddy. God, I just want to thank you so much for bringing each one of us here today. And I just want to thank you for um, just for just moving in this service today and for speaking to each one of us. And I, I just want to pray your fruits into each of our lives, that we would, uh, that we would be uh, showing those fruits wherever we go so that people can see that you are God through us. Um, right now in this time of tithe and offering, I, I just ask that you would just bless it that you would bless it with abundance and just stretch it out so that your word can be heard around this region and uh, your voice can be heard. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Draws 
Y'all can be seated real quick. A couple announcements, and then uh, we'll get to the grub, okay? Um, next Sunday, obviously Mother's Day. Don't let that sneak up on you, okay? Uh, that Sunday also is baby dedication, so uh, if you're planning on having your baby dedicated that Sunday, uh, just uh, make sure Angela knows that. Uh, she's the preschool minister, and she will take care of me. Also, uh, don't forget... Women's Spring Brunch is the Saturday, the following Saturday, is the 18th of May, and so you don't want to miss that. That's always a neat, neat time for uh, all the women in our church. So that is the 18th, and then the next Sunday after that, uh, the 26th, is Senior Sunday, and if you have not got your pictures to Asher, uh, please do so if you want them on the slideshow, okay? And also, let me mention student ministry-wise that the second payment for camp, for youth camp, is this Wednesday, okay? 60 bucks if you're paying it out on, on that pay scale, but uh, it is this Wednesday, okay? Uh, and uh, don't forget, Awanas ends the 15th, and it's the awards night. The 15th of May is the awards night for Awanas, and so you don't want to miss that. That's a beautiful time with all the kiddos and everything. All right, now... Oh, let me mention this before we get to the food. Uh, the Watleys, Paxson and Carrie Watley, this is their unofficially, officially their one-year anniversary, so I want you to give them a big round of applause for one year, all right? They are, they are awesome and do a great job for us, and I know you're grateful of that as well. So here's the deal. If... We're about to break and eat some fajitas, but we got to flip this deal to a uh, fellowship hall, from a worship center to a fellowship hall, and, and we'll do that in just a little bit. If, if you say, I didn't bring anything, so I feel guilty about staying, nobody else brought anything either. The church provided the food, okay? So no guilt in this meal, okay? So stay and eat and hang out. The only thing that's been brought is a bunch of folks have brought desserts, okay? So if you didn't bring a dessert and you feel guilty about eating, don't eat the desserts, Okay? And then so everything that, you, everything that you're going to eat, you don't have to worry about, okay? So you're good, all right? So here's what we're going to do. How we do this, this is new members. This is in honor of all of our new members, okay? Now, your pastor didn't do a new member's lunch last year. So that means we have a bunch of folks that are about to hop up and get first in line. And many of them are out of town. We have a whole bunch of people at baseball tournaments. And now, we did one in November of 11, 
Y'all remember back that far? Okay. So that means if you joined the church in December of 2011, okay, that's going back. And I know all three of you because I have your names, and I'm looking at some of you right now. All right. So I'm not going to call your name. That, that particular year in 2011, we had a total of 48 families join the church. Okay. So we honored a bunch of them. Back in 11, but we, we did it in November, so we did not honor anybody in December because we didn't know you were going to join. Okay, so, uh, so if you join the church in 2011, you're, you're going to go first. And I'm not going to go through here and call all these names because there is just way too many. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, if you join the church in 2012, okay, and I'm looking at you too because I have all your names, okay, there is 39 families that joined the church in 2012, 148 individuals, if you count everybody, okay? So if you join the church in 2012, you're going to get up and go first. And if you join the church up to this point this year, in 2013, okay, there's already been 13 families joined this year and 44 people. So if you were December of 2011, all of 2012, and up to this point in 2013, if that's you, please stand. And don't make me call your name. because.